This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Binge Town TV. Today, we are here to mourn one of the Binge Town coverage shows, The Midnight Club from Mike Flanagan. In a world where so many shows are getting canceled mm. prematurely, our boy Mike Flanagan dropped the season two cliff notes. And even reading the cliff notes, you can tell that Mike cares so much about these characters. He wanted to give them a proper send off, which in so many cases you do not get. So we're lucky in that case. I think that they should have given him the second season. I mean, he's done so much good work for Netflix. I think Netflix is fucking up a lot recently. And I think that if Mike had a chance to redo it, he may have done it in 12 episodes, right? Brought Mm -hmm. it home in 12, one season. Bang for your buck. But now we know that The Fall of the House of Usher is his last Netflix project until he moves over to Amazon Prime. We're going to talk through the uh, season two cliff notes and Luke's going to be the ringleader on that. We've got Luke and Paul and Jimmy, same people who were on the coverage of season one of Midnight Club. Mm -hmm. Uh, Luke, take it away. So I guess before I start going through things, me and Jimmy and Paul will just say a quick little piece of what we thought about this, because I think I was the highest on this show um, when we were podcasting on it. So I was really looking forward to season two. It's upsetting. We're not going to get it, especially for a guy like Mike Flanagan, who like I live for his satisfying conclusions and the fact that we're not going to, we get it in written word is fine, but it's totally just knocking it down in my head as like, not only like a show, but like in the rankings of his own Flanagan verse. And I'll, we'll talk about it at the end where this actually falls out now that we have the ending. I was just a little gutted by this and it sucks having to read it through his voice. And you could tell he's like really, really annoyed because he was like attached to this. And there was all that stuff with the algorithm of Netflix, not really showing this to the right people yeah. and, and they didn't do any marketing on it. So there's a bunch of issues here and I'm sure it's scarred Flanagan from ever trying to be creative and like do multiple season things. But for now, you know, at least we get some answers to talk about. I feel like I'm going to shit on some of this, but it's because we won't get to see it, but we'll, talk, <laughs> we'll you know, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. That's our guy. So- I was I was going to jump in and be like, I'm pretty sure by reading this, Luke's going to have some issues, but we'll get Mm -hmm. to that in a second, just because I remember what you were saying from the the first season's coverage. But I want to reiterate, Kathleen, Mike Flanagan is just the man giving us this second season breakdown, giving us everything we needed to know. We, We talked about after season one, we even said in the finale episode, we might not get a season two and it's going to hurt if we don't. Well, this helps a little bit. I guess it's a little bit of a band-aid. You know, I, I want to also say that we're going to act like this is a podcast covering a season of a show, but the problem is we're not seeing a season two of Mike Flanagan's work. Whatever mm-hmm. he writes on the page, 
we may take it one way and he could show it to us another way. And on screen, we might be like, oh, my God, that was the best thing I've ever seen. And reading it, it might be like, um, I don't know if I'm in, into that. So it's going to be yeah. tough to actually review this like a, a show. And also ranking, it's going to be tough, too, I would say. But, I mean, yeah. so many shows, so many freaking shows, we don't get the ending. So the fact that Mike actually did this for us, hell yeah. I'm so in. I'm so happy. I actually didn't read it until today. You guys sent this to me like a week and a half ago. And I was like, you know what? I'll wait till the day of the podcast so I can have it really fresh on my mind. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. So I really enjoyed covering Midnight Club. I mean, it was great experience. Us talking about it. The pods were great. Um, and I'm really happy that he gave us the final ending. But just because there's not going to be a second season, like I'm not going to recommend this to anybody because like it's yeah. just a bad taste in their mouth like imagine like halfway through a movie and then it just cuts off and then somebody's like yeah like like, like beauty and the beast they're like yeah like at the end you know gaston like kills the beast but like he comes back it's like it's not the same right like it's just hearing it so unfortunately that like leaves a really bad taste in my mouth for midnight club um that being said Mike Flanagan's the man. I'm really happy for him with his deal and, and the shows that he's getting to cover. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, I mean, mm-hmm. he didn't have to do any of this and give us this information. But, like you said, he cares about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love him. So, I want to take what Paul said about not recommending it. I think that I would still recommend it to, like, people who have watched his other shows, right? I wouldn't pitch it hard to someone who doesn't really watch this type of stuff, you know, but I still think it's worth watching as a standalone season. You know, me and Luke always say we wouldn't recommend the OA to just anybody, right? That didn't come to a conclusion. And I would say even after two seasons, I got more of a conclusion than this, but like I always pick and choose who I recommend it to. I will agree with you, Paul, that it's, made the bucket way smaller of who I'd recommend it to. But I may rewatch this at one point in time just because, honestly, I really liked it. Like, I just yeah. liked everyone's stories. I liked yeah. the characters. But I I mostly agree with you, Paul, that it's that it's a bummer that it, it this pretty much took out a lot of the people I would have said, you got to watch this show. Yeah, that sucks. What I would do for the version of this for the OA, like just the written version of the ending of the oh, OA, yeah. would oh, be disgusting. God. So like, I'm <laughs> just happy that we're at least, you know, being able to talk about one of these shows that we covered because we don't cover that many shows that really get canceled. So this isn't like too, this is a pretty unique situation for us because especially when it comes to flying again. But- There's two ways this can go, to be honest. And I think it's 100% Netflix's fault. Netflix just totally screwed over Mike Flanagan, the fans, when it comes to this. They should have trusted him. He gave them banger after banger. Now, I understand that Midnight Club didn't do as well statistically-wise, but we already talked about the fact that whether it's their fault on the algorithm side or what, Mike Flanagan's tweeting out the day it drops. Hey, is it even on your homepage, guys? Like mm-hmm. that—that's some crazy stuff. But there is two ways this can go. It can either go the way of the OA, where it, it kind of becomes like, "Hey, it's a Mike Flanagan show. It's really good, and it's going to be like—I don't want to say like a cult following, but like the OA has like this this aura around it, where it's like you got to watch the OA and just realize like how good it is because it, it's it, it never got the ending. Oh my gosh, you know? Yeah. Or it could go the way where like zero viewers for the rest of its life from this moment on because there is no ending to it you know Mm -hmm. and it's not a show that because it didn't get this huge following right away or these huge viewing numbers right away 
it could just fall way off a cliff right now and just be like disappearing to the back of the algorithm. Yeah. Mike Flanagan finishes, man. That man finishes. So basically, I'm just going to go through it bullet point wise of the way he wrote it. And if you haven't listened to it and you're a fan of Midnight Club, I would implore you to go read his post from his own words. So this is me just kind of summarizing high level points. And I'll take a little break so we can talk about what I say. I won't go through everything here. But some things that he lays out pretty early in his blog post was that this season was going to be heavily um, involved with the actual death of a bunch of these characters where I didn't necessarily think we were going to go that way but a mesh he's going to be the first one that we lose and it's going to happen real quick and it's going to be real sad but he's going to face death like basically finding him was going to make him be not a martyr but like someone to be to represent like how you should face death when you're terminal like this that was going to be super sad and also while this is going on his whole idea about alanka and kevin and their weird love story that we were a little split on they were going to fall more and more in love but also Kevin's leukemia mm. was going to start taking him more and more quickly. So eventually, Alonka is going to have to watch him die and deal with this whole thing happening all at the same time while dealing with being tricked by Julia Jane. And that was going to be like the first half of the season, it seems like, as the backbone of yeah. what we were going to be dealing with. Yeah, I mean, like I said before, Mike just adores these character. he treat, characters. He treats them with so much respect. Like even in this, when I read the line, like, Amesh treats his death with grace and bravery, I was like, that's our mm-hmm. boy. Yeah. Amesh, I don't yeah. remember who I said was my favorite character at the end of it, but it was either Amesh or someone. I Amesh or Anya probably, but I'm pretty sure I said Amesh, and I that would have so. really we, hurt. Didn't we? Didn't we say? Um, a lot of us were saying Spence, right? I was oh, Spence no. towards the end. I think I think we were four different people actually. Now that I'm thinking, about I think it. I had Luke's back on Spence, but the funny thing about it is Anya, like. She was my girl, and I totally just let her disappear in my mind after she died, which is a shame, <laughs> because I probably would have chose her if I could go back in the finale. Uh, Yeah, so the silver lining of not having season two is we don't have to watch these characters die, which is great, yeah. right? Yeah. Because dude, I was... Just... Paul, Paul, you <laughs> cry, dude. You cry. I, I, dude, I know. I'd be a... You would have been crying left and right season two, dude. <laughs> slobbering mess, just watching a mess. Luke said, Luke said it goes like quickly. And I think in the sense that he unfortunately goes slowly, it just happens really on. It would have happened really on in season two. Um, that would have sucked yeah. to watch because, like you said, Kathleen, he takes it with grace. And, like, he's already the man with how much he deals with everything. So that would have sucked. He got to play his PlayStation, man. And then Spence, yeah. like you were saying, I guess, Luke, you can cover it. Yeah, I was going to the other part that was important here is you're bringing up Anya. She was her actress, which I can't remember her name. Ruth Cod is coming back, she would, baby. Yeah, she or was going to come back coming back. She would have been the main character of Alanka's story called Remember Me about like a ghost girl, a girl dying and becoming a ghost and having to deal with it. He didn't give too many details on, on what the story was actually going to be like, but I would have been devastated without having Anya be in the show in some form. And this is a perfect way to do it. So that would have been her her cameos to kind of help reinforce the idea of everything that Alanka learned in the first season and showed how close they were. Remember me is a good name for a story about Anya too. So all that would have been good. Um, now some very interesting stuff here that we did not even talk about or get close to guessing was about the janitor, AKA Robert Longstreet. Yeah, he is a <laughs> main character of this blog post, I will say. And I just did not think that it was going to go that way, but long story short, the janitor is death death himself and he only yeah. appears before yes. people that are actually about to die and that's when he's he gave i think two monologues last season 
So but that that was going to be like about, the final mic drop twist, I think, basically. Can you believe that Mike managed to like throw in a twist in this like 500 word essay about yeah, right. season two? Because you're reading it and he says janitor, janitor, janitor. And then he, he the twist about uh, Robert Longstreet's character doesn't come until the the bottom uh, of what the rest of the twist right. and how um, he's death, but it's that death is nothing to be afraid of. And if death means that Robert Longstreet is just like sweet, sweet talking, just like sweet nothings in my ears, then mm-hmm. I can I can handle that. That's not bad. You can accept it. I can accept it gracefully. Um, but I also liked that. I, I don't know if we skipped over this or just Luke didn't get to it yet. Um, that they brought back the stay alive a little longer bit that Kevin did. And Alonka yeah. flipped it on Kevin in a to to like keep him alive while he was dying. She mm-hmm. made him stay alive a little longer while telling a serialized story. So I, that's one of my things I wanted to talk about. As long as the story was good, like Kevin's story, I think we were all very interested in Kevin's little piece story. Like we genuinely wanted to know why Dusty. he was a murderer. Blah blah blah. Dusty. Yeah. yeah. I hope that Alonka's would have been as good because. Yeah. To be honest, Alonka's story at the end of season one was just okay for me. Like, I get it. It was more kind of um, an analogy than the others, I feel. It was more, it wasn't scary. It wasn't, I don't know. I just wasn't as involved or interested in her. So I hope that this five episode story would have been more. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I'm Scrying was the worst. I totally agree. Scrying in season <laughs> one. Like, what the hell? Um, but yeah, this, like you said, five episodes, and it would have been her figuring out her murder as a ghost. Like, that would have been really cool because yeah. it's Anya. Um, and hopefully her attitude would be back and everything. Her amazing personality. Um, so that would have been really cool. And it's kind of upsetting we didn't get to see it. And Alanka officially never made up for her scrying story, which definitely the worst out of the whole club. um so i can clean up some of the other main characters here of what he said in there these guys got a little bit less um writing in the blog post but sherry does have her moment and she finally tells her story and it's gonna and it was gonna be titled monster he gives nothing really on it but that just sounds like it would have given us so much insight into her and we probably all would have been like pounding our fists for it because it would have been just so built up to her actually saying it. So we could talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Natsuki was, is revealed to be the next person that's going to die. I'm assuming that's before Kevin dies. She's going to see the the janitor in the shadow. It's going to be like, keep reinforcing that idea. And then the other one before we could talk about um, Dr. Stan is Spence who because of the timing of the show, this is when we made huge advancements in HIV treatments, and he was going to be one of the first people that gets it no longer terminal, and he gets to leave like Sandra does at the end of last season. So that would have been a really good parallel to keep showing how, well, it's, everything's like hopeless and stuff, like there are those that that make it out of this. And those three characters, I feel like just deserve, like if we're going to lose, if we're going to lose a mesh that early, we already lost Anya, like they need to carry some weight, and I feel like they were going to kill it in this emotional part. Yeah, it's really cool the way that Flanagan incorporated the timeline with the storytelling because I think he said it was around 95 and like the advancements in medicine would no longer make him terminal. So like it's just genius that we already know the history of what happened in 95, but he's still incorporating it as a twist into the show. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just genius. So it's a shame that he didn't really get to show that off, but whatever. Happy for our boy Spence. Yeah, I think Cherie would have ended up being like a fave character of mine if they fleshed mm-hmm. her out more in season two because 
I really dug her mysteriousness. Like she's so kind giving a match that PlayStation, you know, Alanka with the wig storyline. It's just she was so kind, but this weird liar or not liar. I, I kept pushing that. I hope the whole bit was that she didn't lie about a single thing. Like somehow they would, <laughs> yeah, they would yeah. reveal all of that, which is the best. Um, again, Natsuki would have been devastating, but Spence mm-hmm. surviving is like the parallel to Sandra. And I'm really surprised we didn't get even a dot of Sandra in this just to say Sandra came back. I, I guess that would be, I think if, if you fleshed out the 10 episodes, and we actually got to visually see it. I'm sure Sandra would have made it in at some point Agreed. just to come yeah. back and visit. Yeah, That was something that was missing. Or like a funeral or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yes. Yeah. I agree with that. If you want me to keep going, I'll get to the last part. And then he, so how he broke it down was this is the last piece we can talk about. And then he said like the end of season twist or this, this, this. So the last thing is going to be about Dr. Stanton who gets explicitly confirmed as Athena, who we kind of knew that she was the daughter of, she was so anti-cult that she wanted to, to destroy her mother's legacy. That was like her whole purpose of buying Brightcliff and then dealing with, you know, helping people. And then also at the same time, part of the twist of her taking off her wig at the end of season one was to show that she actually has, she was diagnosed with cancer herself, but Flanagan revealed that throughout season two, she was going to go into remission and have to deal with the mental fallout of that while still watching all these younger kids deal with these terminal illnesses. I have a huge bone to pack here. Yeah. Since when is her name Georgina Stan and not Regina Stan? Because we were like Gina or Ballard, not Stan. We were like Gina Ballard. Mike drops like, no, it was Georgina Ballard. We were right, Ridiculous. but we were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Why did we all think it was Regina? I it fits perfectly. So like, of course, it's just that name where you can like lengthen or shorten it, and it's the same thing, same initials. I no, I think we all misheard it, or it was, or maybe the subtitles were wrong. Because no, I think her name was Regina, and no, no, we, were it using, we were using. Well, she well, was yeah, we were Regina. using screener subtitles, which are wrong. Oh, a lot of the time, not a lot of the time, but they are wrong. Really. Yeah, I'm giving like Luke screener the w. subtitles aren't finalized. And one of the things that happens, Luke's getting the W, but one of the things that happens when we get this email from Netflix, HBO, whatever it is, they say editing's not fully complete. This isn't the final product. Just be aware of that. Okay. So wow, I didn't know that. Maybe that's okay. what it is. Yeah. When I read that this article, I took it as that she actually did introduce herself as Regina Stanton. Um and she goes by Regina, but her real name, like, oh. on her yeah, birth certificate. Yeah, I think that's what it is, Georgina. too. Yeah. She went oh, by oh. Yeah, I thought no, we misunderstood sure from the jump. Well, I got no. lucky because I just shortened just, Regina to Gina, even though we were yeah, standing for the only name. The only name in the world <laughs> that this mix-up could have happened is crazy. Agreed. Totally but agreed. I'm, I, you totally called it, though, Luke. I, I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that. I mean, I want to give myself props for saying my big theory or guess or whatever it's not really theory because i thought it was pretty obvious that um stanton was athena obviously but the reason she bought the place was to like spite her mom actually Mm -hmm. become a doctor to help people with real science and not this voodoo bullshit so we were right there but the way i tried to spin it was that the baldness was because they had some shared alopecia genetic mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was it with was you. actually just cancer <laughs> I was totally that's with funny you. but well i mean it's still a good it's still a good guess i would it's say just it's so tinfoily i'm like they <laughs> both have alopecia so they're mother and daughter 
Yeah, I don't know what the hereditary statistics of passing that on are, but I was totally <laughs> fucking with you. Um, and I think one other thing that Flanagan <laughs> was talking about was that they were going to introduce a new character, a new yeah. kid, mm-hmm. and it was going to be Alonka's roommate. And I'm actually glad they didn't show this because I would have disliked Alonka even more because he, he said yeah, they were gonna, she they was were, mean. Yeah, she was gonna treat the new roommate like, "Oh, you're new. You don't you don't get to get into the club." And I'm like, what the fuck? You just went through that. You're the newest yeah. one, so I'm kind of glad. I yeah, Alanka Alanka took a lot of L's, and it didn't really sound like she. I, and again, we said it already. Like you're going by like three paragraphs here. She probably was gonna get her dubs in the rest of the second season, and then we would like her. But yeah, she's taking a lot of L's, and and it doesn't come off well on the page either. You know, it's funny. I got the completely different impression of that. I was like, I love that because I actually liked watching Anya one, be a bitch to Alonka and then two, then become best friends and the devastating loss of it all. I just think that you would get really protective over the memory of the person who was there before. And I actually really like that she would just be a fucking bitch to her or him. Full well, I circle. guess it would be her. They wouldn't do. It. Yeah, I yeah, like the full I mean, circle moment of it all. But I agree that. I mean, honestly, Alonka wasn't my favorite character of everyone, so I agree with you guys. But mm-hmm. I liked the idea of like in Anya's memory, she kind of like takes over the like bad girl of the group to be a bitch. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay, that was a good catch, but I forgot to bring that up, that there were going to be this new ushering in of the next generation of Midnight Club that was slowly going to start happening. I'm sure, like, we would have been on all of our guys' side and, like, been a little standoffish, too, but eventually we're going to get to the point where Hmm. what he says is how the season ends. Like, so Kevin's going to die, followed closely by Alonka, and we talked a little bit about that already, but Alonka is probably going to have all the hard realizations about the janitor, like, in this moment when she's dying and, like, accepting the the death that's imminent. Um, And then also, at the same time, we were going to have Cherie was going to end the show with with starting like a new midnight club talking to a whole new class of people and telling a short story called the midnight club about all of our friends so it was going to be like a poetic thing about just like this whole tradition Mm -hmm. that keeps passing on and on to kind of emphasize that you're never really dead if you're remembered through these stories and these midnight club meetings and stuff and that's kind of like flanagan's whole point about all this so like that was kind of a bunch of the things that he said there and then the only other thing that we can talk about is the old man and the old woman so the elephant in the room, we, Lukey. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want to talk about first of what I just said there. I think I'm going to be alone on this, but I actually really liked the idea that uh, Alonka and Kevin were like long lost soulmates that just relive lives every year because it explains it. We would never have guessed it, but it is kind of like a good twist. It reminds me a lot of like the Lady of the Lake that we got in the Haunted Bly Manor in the sense that you're never going to fucking guess it, but it's such a like unique little twist and story that like it clicks so many things that we saw earlier. That I, I don't know. I probably would have liked it, especially Alonka's line. Like, do I know you? Like the first time she ever met mm-hmm. Kevin and stuff like that explains why she would see the guy in the suspenders and visions of him. So. Yeah, the extra twist being that Alanka is actually the guy and then the girl with cataracts is actually Kevin. And it's just supposed to be their long lost souls like always coming back together. Oh, shit. I don't know. That makes so much sense because the first time we see it, I was like, why did we see the guy in the suspenders first? And we never saw like and when she was at the party, the college party and looking in the mirror, but it's because she was looking in the mirror. So she saw herself. He was the guy. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't yeah, read I it that you. way. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
should we just like bring up the elephant here? Like this is the part you're not gonna like, right, Luke? Right. What? Yeah. Right. So yeah. Um, I think that this was like reading it off the page, and again, I want to reiterate from the very beginning. Maybe it comes off good on on screen, but reading it on the page just made it seem like really like you, it just seems like a totally added thing that has nothing to do with what we thought the story was. We've talked about this with other Flanagan shows where, you know, we think it's going to be some kind of horror thing and it doesn't go that way. But Luke, I did bring this up in our season one finale where I was like, what if there is no supernatural to any of this? Mm -hmm. Um, I guess technically you could say the two of them reincarnating is quote unquote, maybe a little supernatural, but really I said, what if the shadow is death? And I guess that's technically wrong. We didn't bring that up yet either, but that's just supposed to be like their acceptance of their future of death and whatever. Mm -hmm. And obviously we didn't guess that Robert Longstreet is death, but you know, I said, well, what if this is just a story about death? And we said in the finale, like, I, I, I said, like, this could be a story that would be good about kids that are dying, accepting death, telling stories to help them through it, get through their journey to the other side or however you want to say it. And then we were like, but what the hell's up with the old lady and the old man? The and we we're like, th that's where it has to go. Supernatural. And we were like, we just can't figure out how that's like part of that story. And then you did say, like, what about when Anya looked up during the whole ritual thing? and saw the shadow and, and we were kind of like well maybe that was death too and we kind of like wiggled around that one but we just could not wiggle around the old lady and the old man no I, I think we got in my opinion the worst of both worlds where there was there was some sort of supernatural at play here but it wasn't it's, it's my least favorite part about all these reveals so it's like there is there is a piece of that but the piece that i wanted to be supernatural was the rituals and somehow overcoming that barrier of death so we didn't get any of that and for what it's worth i love the janitor and longstreet like the robert longstreet yeah, thing being dead reveal that's like my favorite but then i didn't like any of this because again you're it's just like a side like piece of this plot that's just kind of thrown in there i don't even see how it really connects to everything else like the we got the whole reveal at the end of season one that they were just like the previous owners of this, this lot. And I guess their souls just are trapped there and they always find each other. None of that's really that satisfying to me. I mean, it's, it could have been done maybe well enough on screen that I would like it, but yeah, I, I don't like that piece. You're right. I just, I'm surprised Paul does. I will say that they planted the seeds early. Like Paul said, Alonka at the party saw the, the vision of the man. So it we knew from the start, it's not really the house. It's not like the house is calling her from her college a million miles away. I think that a season two would have brought this home. I really do. I think that this was planted early, but meant to be the season two payout. And yeah. then the Julia Jane shit was the season one payout. Like, I think the house itself and the Julia Jane and the rituals was season one. I think the mystery of the old man and lady as Kevin and Alonka are becoming more aware and actually talking about it. And Kevin admits that he's been sleepwalking and seeing this stuff. It was meant for season two. I really don't think we can judge it harshly without having seen it. I agree that just reading the reveal like that on paper was a little like, seriously, Mm -hmm. But Kevin and Alanka recognized each other the second they saw each other at the bench, but they had never seen each other before in this life. 
I love a love story. They weren't my favorite. I wish it was Amesh and Natsuki instead. But yeah, <laughs> but I'll that take been better. Kevin yeah. and Alonka. Uh, but but for me, I, I didn't have any problems with it. Now that I hear you guys talking about it, I agree. But I also think it was a season two storyline, not the season one storyline. I think it was sprinkled in one to bring mm-hmm. it home in two. And we just didn't get that, unfortunately. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. I, it would have been way better coming off the screen it would like if we could see them in their past lives fall in love by the house and like die together and then i think flanagan even says uh they knew this was going to be a short cycle of their like soulmate connection lives or whatever you want to call it so that's Mm -hmm. why they met so early like at the house i don't know how they like what are the odds they both got cancer i don't know how that works so yeah, there are a bunch of little things that you fate, can fate, man. It's reincarnation. Yeah. Meant to so, be, bro. I totally agree. He would have shown it to us and explained it to us in a way that would have hit way harder than just reading this. Like, oh yeah, sure. lost couples. Yeah, I think it goes back to season one. We were wondering, you know, is it definitely only Kevin and Alanka seeing these things, seeing the flashes of the past and blah 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 and and why are the other members of the club saying no we don't even know what you're talking about so yeah like you say kathleen they were planting the seeds and he does meaning mike gives us in the article you know his reveal that they were the owners and in the past this and that i don't even need to get into it but basically they're seeing visions of the past of their old self Mm -hmm. and that's just the, the reincarnation just keeps happening and happening and they're lovers and I just feel like the the biggest problem with this is that I I understood and I understand now that Alanka is, I guess, supposed to be the main character. But I was hoping that the point of the show was that they were all the main characters and doing this to Alanka and Kevin kind of just like highlights them in a weird way where like season one, I get it. Alanka was the main character, but you were watching the Midnight Club. We're watching this group and they're all, you know, one by one, giving their stories. But then it's all of a sudden like, oh, yeah. And by the way, you know, the main character has a reincarnation storyline with her love interest and have fun with it. I I don't know. I just feel like it was jumped. It was pushed in weird. Yeah, I don't really have much to add there. The one piece that he does say in the um, blog that's cool to point out is that the guy. So I guess Alonka's like ghost that he was based on was the name of the guy that bought the hotel that the movie The Shining was based on. That was just like a cool little thing he threw in there as just like an Easter egg. Um, But yeah, I don't know. If he stuck that landing, maybe it would have worked. But overall, like I feel like I was the highest on this show. And now I feel like I'm moving Midnight Club down to the fourth of the Flanagan shows. And I self-explanatory of why we're never really going to get to see if this pays off in the way that we have in our head, even with this wording of of like all these main plot points but yeah it's just disappointing because i wanted to see it and i feel like flanagan deserves that all the trust in the world like we were saying but i don't know was there anything that was unanswered because the only thing i really had was like the healing vortex julia jane well if- julia jane 100 they never really say anything again about her she disappears mm-hmm. and like kathleen said i guess the point of the story is she really doesn't matter she isn't the point of the story so she disappears and maybe they bring her up and they say like, oh, Julia's, you know, she's just gone doing her damn thing. I'm sure Regina, Gina, Georgina and Alanka have another conversation. And she <laughs> says like, 
you know, who cares? You're okay. You know, Julia got you, but just live your life for the rest of the time you can and don't worry about her. And then we're like, oh, I guess we don't have to worry about her. And that's it. Can you guys re- refresh my memory? What did he say about um, Kevin and Alanka's like, so the cataract lady, she would walk around and say, I'm hungry because she couldn't like find yeah, the kitchen. Yeah, she, she had dementia. <laughs> Yeah, she, uh, she had dementia. Yeah, so, oh, she had dementia, so she would forget yeah. to eat. That's what she was. Hungry. She was just. She had a disease that made her hungry. I was like, dude, why was she saying I'm hungry? I don't fucking get it. She she like she well, he explains uh, that the, the the man is dying. You know, the husband is dying, and that he buys the building because he wants the sea air, and he thinks it might help him feel better and he and he does and he and he lives longer than he's supposed to but while he's living longer than he's supposed to his wife gets dementia and then eventually cataracts and that kind of goes back to the point where when she has dementia and when she has like the blindness going on she kept like not sleepwalking but walking down to the basement and that's where she hung out a lot and then the mm. the husband painted the ceiling with the stars and the labyrinth because the stars he just wanted to be beautiful for her because she's always down there and the labyrinth is because that's that was like an old way of trying to bring you back from dementia and yeah trust me like i think he would have pulled it off in a way where i'd be like oh that's that's cute like i'm down like i like that (laughs) but that doesn't mean that i don't think it's really just seems thrown in there and it's and we talked about this a million times especially with this season flanagan is like known as the horror guy, but like he likes to not do that. And really what was horror about the show, except the fake horror of it. You know, we had the husband and the wife that were supposed to be kind of scaring us. And we had the shadow that was supposed to be kind of scaring us. And we had like the, are you afraid of the dark stories that were, had a couple jump scares that they actually like made fun of. Cause it was meta saying, you don't need to just have a jump scare, but really it wasn't a horror show. And no, then season two definitely wouldn't have been a horror show. It's just another show that he is just the man and he does phenomenal work and he's good at telling a story. And we said it's even about Hill House. Like, it's a horror show, but it's a story. You know, mm-hmm. Bly, it's a love story. It's how Flanagan's end up turning out. I haven't seen much of his movies and I know that some of them are like straight horrors, but his shows really haven't gone that way and they've been getting less and less. And I that's why I was saying when we did the finale, like, you know what? Maybe there is no supernaturalness to this and it's just going to be something weird. But we just couldn't figure out the man and the woman. And there's no way to figure that out. You know, I guess that's just like a bam. I got you kind of thing. You they planted some seeds, but you're not going to guess that you're not going to be like, oh, maybe this scary old lady who says feed me. I'm hungry is actually like. The, their freaking long lost lover, Kevin. you know, star crossed lover. <laughs> it's fucking Kevin. Yeah, I agree with it's all Kev that. Bot. It's yeah. Kevbot. Um, no mention Q- of QB one, which was sad. That was yeah, what I was gonna no say. No QB one, that hurt. So I, I have two scenes that I would have implanted into this. One being Alonka visiting Julia Jane in jail. I would have liked that, like some weird ass jail scene of her confronting her. I don't know, a little more information from Julia when she's not like cracked out on her like earth shit and then two, marky mark finding out that spence is no longer terminal would have been one of my favorite scenes of television of all time i am yeah zach guilford is just booked and busy recently and the new season of criminal minds on paramount he is doing it for me like it is 
So good. If you didn't Damn, have to watch really? 15 seasons of Criminal Minds prior, I would have said we should have covered it on the pod. <laughs> but yeah, so it's technically season 16, the reboot. But uh, man, it's fucking good. But Zach Gilfred is just a sweetie sweetheart. So it's nice to see him as a murderer here. But his the scene was fans would have been. Jeff's kiss. That would have been it's his nice centered storyline about killer. Spence and all that. That would have been a really good way to like top off his storyline. Um, but that's all I got for what he actually said in the blog post. And we don't even need to re-rank it because I feel like we're all going to kind yeah, of unanimously agree that this is now the lowest of the Flanagan shows. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about yeah. really recommending it to people. And the best case of this is Dave, producer Dave, like has this towards the top of his list. And I'm almost willing to say yeah, you can probably knock it down a few slots and deal with it whenever you have a lot of free time because it's just not going to be satisfying enough for him or most people that aren't obsessed with flanagan that's just kind of how i feel about it yeah great yeah i agree anything Final else thoughts here because we can get out of here i mean i know um, we're kind of all looking forward to the fall of house of usher coming out sometime in 2023 that should be a one season thing i believe and then of course the the new recent news about the dark tower it's going to be made by Woo-hoo! Amazon, and that's a that's right up our alley. That's a fantasy show, and the best thing about it's based on a huge series of of Stephen King books. And Stephen King is going to be very involved with the show. And after the movie's catastrophic failure, um, they're going to make sure that this is done right. And I feel like Flanagan is almost the perfect person to take on this sort of theme and style of the Dark Tower. But that's going to be way down the line. I'm thinking 2024 plus, but definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. This whole Amazon deal that Mike Flanagan now has, Amazon Studios is in, Netflix is out. It's interesting because, you know, none of us are executives in the TV movie business. We have no idea how long this works, but I'm going to assume that this has been in the works for a long time. So, like, in Flanagan's article, he said, I am disappointed that Netflix actually decided to cancel Midnight Club. And the crazy thing about that is, well, technically, even if they didn't cancel it, what would you have done? Because you have a new contract. Fall of the House of Usher was your last show on Netflix. So if they said we want a season two, how does that even work? Because he had the Amazon deal signed. So I don't know anything about that, but I just think it's very interesting to think about. I'm sure it's probably just new projects. This is would have been a continuation of an old one. I'm I'm sure that was in his contract if they right. were to have renewed it. any anything renewed from the original Netflix contract would stay at Netflix, Amazon. But that that's a good point. I mean, I don't know. I'm just speaking out of my ass, but yeah. That's what I think and it would be. again, I don't know how it all went down, but I will say that Netflix effed up losing <laughs> yeah. Flanagan. Yeah, I'm super excited for Flanagan taking on like the role uh, of telling the story of the Dark Tower series. I mean, I've only read the first two books in all the the series, but Stephen King, you know, he's got that horror aspect to him. And even in just the first two books that I read, there's some horror scenes. So Flanagan taking that and turning it into like this thriller show, it, I, I'm so excited for it. It's the perfect guy to put Stephen King's books to the screen and like the movie. I can't even imagine trying to t- explain that whole series and tell that story in just one movie. So I think the show is perfect and I'm just so freaking excited for it. We're covering it. Hell yeah. Definitely. Ready to rock? All right. Well, 
That was our morning coverage, morning M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, <laughs> coverage of the Midnight Club season two. Uh, if you missed the Midnight Club already and you want more supplemental coverage, we did cover episodes one through ten, one through eight, one through nine. I forget what it was. We covered, <laughs> we covered them all. So go check those out. We also covered all the other Flanagan shows and... If you like what you heard, go follow us on Binge on TV on all socials. We've got BingeOnTV.com. You could go and look at our entire list of 300 plus episodes we've done on all different kinds of TV shows. We have such a blast doing it. We're happy you're here listening, especially at, all the way at the end of this episode. Stay tuned for news on the fall of House of Usher. We'll be tweeting about it. We'll be posting about it. Um, and we can't wait to see what Mike Flanagan has next. We are Binge Town TV. And thanks for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.